Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our God, the one who has indeed caused us all to have the hope of an eternal life. And I welcome you to Wow What a Show. This is the live outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. And we're here to do what we always do. <coughs> that is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to exalt him, and to let all who hear us understand and know that we truly, truly do believe that there is a God, that he is alive and well, and that he is able to succor. I love the word. It means to help. He's able to bring us all into a relationship with him and to bring us out of the uh, relationship that we may have with that which is unhealthy and which would cause us to lose an eternal life. Psalm 19 says, and I love to quote it, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. There is no place where the speech of it is not heard. That means that nowhere, no matter where we are in the world, the exaltation of God is definitely consistent with every new day, with every night. There is no speech where this language is not heard. I love it. Our God is is so good. I mean, he who else could be God? <laughs> you know, when you think of it and how uh, men uh, may try to um, denounce, deny, set aside, you know, they cannot set aside certain evidences. And one of them is that glory that emanates from each day and each night. So I welcome you all to this podcast. Wow, what a show. And as you know, it is listed there. Something has changed on this podcast. I need to keep up. We're looking at Jesus through faith and fellowship. So I think necessarily that God would indeed call us to one of the Gospels, especially the book of John, the Gospel of John, because John admired him in a way that we kind of don't pick up on in other Gospels, not that they also did not adore, admire, and have a fellowship with God. I think all the disciples did. But the presentation of God, of Jesus Christ, in the book of John or the Gospel of John is one of, oh, it's, it, you can just hear it when you read it or, you know, you see it. There's one of great adoration and um, a, a recognition of immediately who God is. Thank you for being with us. We have Pastor Thomas here live and we have Sister Rima and we have Fresh in Spaces. It's good. Hopefully, others will join us as we move forward. Um, I'm going to do some inviting here so that um, the folks who tell me to send them a, uh, to alert them of things will will be able to get it. Hmm. I'm not being able to do it tonight. Honest to goodness, so much of this changes for me. Um, okay, so I'm going to do it. Now, we're in the Gospel of John, and... Um, Ooh, well, mm, I, I don't know what's going on with this thing, so there's not much I can do about uh, alerting other people who ask me to do so. But tonight we're going to read uh, from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 3. John chapter 3. And I hope that you are ready to go with me uh, through this amazing book, because it's always amazing. Um Let us open to John chapter 3 and and see what good gifts God has for us here, what nuggets of truth we can find. And Pastor Thomas is in the 
um, the co-host seat tonight. I uh, I sent you an invitation because I wanted you to be able to come on if you wanted to come on, right? Uh, I'm not obliging you, however, to do anything unless you want to. I just want you to know that. And I have put you on mute because Pastor Thomas has a cold and so do I. <laughs> and he was coughing and we could hear that. So I just put him on mute, but just for the moment, you can unmute yourself at any time. So here we go. I shall read from chapter three and I invite your comments from the uh, studio and I invite the comments of Pastor Thomas as we move through this book, uh, through this chapter. I want you to know, though, that I've done a good deal of praying and and looking and reading of this uh, chapter. And I want to just do a little uh, recap before we move forward. And the recap comes from the uh, initial, my initial statement that what I want to do is discover church as I uh, am reading through the gospel. Because in my view, church is a relationship. It's fellowship with Jesus, but you must come by faith. And so looking at Jesus Christ through the eyes of the faithful in his day and the fellowship that he had with them, in my view, is going to show us church, what we should uh, also be experiencing uh, with each other as the church. And um, so as I'm reading, of course, I'm looking for those pointers. And I'm also looking for the revelation of new understandings about our relationship with Jesus Christ, what God has done, who Jesus is, and how he ministered while he was here. So as we're reading, we want to pick up on that. And I go back to uh, chapter two, the last the last verse there says, but Jesus did not commit himself is verse 24 and verse 25. Jesus did not commit himself unto them. And remember, he has begun now to uh, show miracles and he was in the temple and he you know, turned over the, um, the tables and stuff like that, right? But he's revealing himself to the masses. And he says, but he did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So now he he's he's making this this grand uh, kind of entrance, you know, by going in and uh, telling them what the the house of God will not be, what this temple will not be, and they want to know by what authority he can speak such a thing. Right? He is God. And he is demonstrating that in his words, in his actions. But the part of it that I wanted to kind of speak again to is the fact that he did not commit himself to man. And I, I really, it just kind of jumped in my brain, right? I, I was thinking when I read it, what exactly did, what, is, what does that mean? He didn't commit himself to man. We know that he knows what is in men. And I think that what's going on here is a lesson for us all. You know, you you interact with people who are attracted to you because of your whatever, your abilities, your skill, your your uh, 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 connections with other people. You are in the in the um, I guess the purview of these folks, right? And they kind of attach themselves to you. But discerning who people really are helps you to not commit yourself to them as Jesus Christ did. See, he knew they were following him for the miracles. He knew that they were impressed with his abilities, right? But he did not then take them in as friends nor did he call them all as disciples. He did not commit himself, himself to them because he knew their fickle hearts. He knows what is in all of us. He knows what's in you and he knows what is in me. And when he commits to us, it is based on his knowledge of us and his 
love for us, but never because we grasp him. That's what I believe the lesson that we, we should take from what is said there. Now, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor John Thomas if he has a further word for that. I um, I think that I kind of was on to something there, but um, it could be that that I have misread it. So I'm going to ask Pastor Thomas what he thinks of what I just said. And Pastor Thomas, you may unmute yourself and speak to that if you will. Praise the Lord. Am I unmuted? Yes, you are. Uh, no, you pretty much covered it. You know, if you wanted to use another word, he he wasn't going to indulge them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember a time when uh, they had asked Jesus a question pertaining to the disciples. And he knew their heart. Mm-hmm. He knew why they were asking them about, he said that he was talking about trying to, contradict the law of Moses when he was talking about washing your hands before you eat. Mm-hmm. And because Jesus didn't know it hit their hearts, he just told them it's not what goes into you that's defiled the body is what comes out, Amen. you know, yes. and I, and it just takes you back to times when the, the, when the man was full with the spirit and the spirit said, what business do you have with us? And he rebuked that spirit because it wasn't the time for the people to know who he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. God knows our heart, like you said, and, and praise God. And he gives us that gift too. You know, the spirit of discernment mm-hmm. that we use that when we become sensitive to the spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. Everybody smiling in your face, talking good and everything, but they heart ain't with you. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to discern that. Amen. Amen. I really appreciate that. That's really good. Thank you very much. That's right. And so we do also receive the gift of discernment, right? It is a necessary uh, gift, truly, awareness that we must have if we're going to walk with Jesus. We have to hear from the Spirit and know who is and who is not. And so we do not, we don't get taken in by people's um, flattery of us or their, you know, being, uh, wanting to be so connected. We don't get taken in and we don't take in uh, uh, by the same token. So with that, Pastor, we're going to go on and I shall read through with comment uh, chapter three. And it begins, oh, you know what I want to do? I'm going to read it from a Bible that I can see. I want to use my Bible and I have them both open, but I do want to um, be able to see as I read. Okay. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler. He was a member of the Sanhedrin among the Jews who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. We know without a doubt that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs these wonders, these attesting miracles that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, uh, uh, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, uh, I'm reading from the Amplified, which is really quite a mistake here, but it's good to hear the extended rendering of the meaning of the words. So I'm going to switch over to the King James, and then we'll come back to the Amplified later on. So So Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, guys, really take a listen. Really hear that. Truly, truly, I, I learned that if anything is stated twice, back to back like that, it is for emphasis. So Jesus is saying, oh, I'm telling you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, 
How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, or answered, Verily, verily, emphasis again, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and thou hearest the sound thereof, or you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell from whence it comes and where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Aren't you a master of Israel and you don't know these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, again, emphasis, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe it, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I want to stop and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I glorify you tonight. I thank you, Lord, for this gathering. I thank you for this opportunity to read and open your word by your Spirit's revealing. Help us, Lord, to hear, for you have just spoken in the word that unless we are born again, we cannot hear, nor can we see. Lord, and this story tells of a man who yet had to be born again. Let us hear, Father, and let us take heed and let us understand, open our understanding, open our blind eyes, heal our deafness, Lord God, and straighten our gate that we may walk with thee and understand. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for it. For your word assures me, Lord God, and all of us, that you're not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And as we hear your word, let us, Lord God, do that which is needful for our salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I stop there because this these are the words of Jesus Christ, and it kind of separates the chapter. I want to go back. And Pastor, I'm going to keep you on, on mute until you get ready to speak. And when you're ready to speak, just unmute yourself and do so. The reason is that we're getting feedback, right? And I don't want, uh, I want to lim as, limit as much as I can. But I want to go back to the very beginning of this chapter. In verses 1 through 3, Nicodemus recognizes Jesus as one from heaven. He tells him, you know, we know you're, we know you're very special here because you can do some miraculous things. He said, um, we know you're from God. But Jesus doesn't even answer that. He doesn't even deal with that part. He simply says, I say, except a man be born again, he's put him on the right path right away. 
He is not allowing him to go on in what may not have been flattery. He's really recognizing who Jesus Christ is amongst men, but he has yet to recognize who Jesus Christ is as the son of God. And so Jesus is taking him down that road. And when he tells him that, you can't see the kingdom unless you are born again. Nicodemus tells us that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He says, I don't understand. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter into his mother's womb yet the second time? And Jesus, again, for emphatically declares to him that unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, which means you can't see it. You don't recognize it. You don't understand it, right? You are not born again. You know of some things that you have heard of the, you know, the, of God and of heavenly things, but you yourself are still without the rebirth. Pastor, right here, I want you to hear me well and, and, and correct me if I'm off according to your understanding. When Jesus says that um, you must be born of the flesh of 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 water and of the spirit he to me is saying that he we must be washed again in the word because Jesus is the word and we now must also inherit or be um be lifted up or we must ascend into the realm which is not the flesh which is the spirit Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. You can't get in there. You can't see in there. You can't understand it because that which is flesh is flesh. If you're born of the flesh, that's what you are. But if you are born of the spirit, then that's what you are. Right now, Pastor, I'm going to stop. And if you have any words to share, by all means, do. Amen. Um, okay, so how about if we look at it like this? See, because you got to remember, Nicodemus came by way of night. So he was hiding. Mm -hmm. He didn't want the Pharisees to know he came to Jesus, right? Yeah. And that's a problem we have today. A lot of people know what they're learning ain't right. But because they part of that sector, that group, they stay there. When he said you got to be born of the water, to be baptized, that's what the purpose of John was. John came for the repentance, the remission of sins by way of the baptism, the water baptism. The baptism, the water baptism uh, served as a outward expression that I'm going like the, uh, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ that we're dying, we're going in a liquid grave and we're making a, we declaring that we are, the old man is dying and the new man is coming. Okay. Mm -hmm. You, you just make, letting it be known. This is what you're doing. This is a symbolic, uh, uh, gesture of death, burial and resurrection of Christ. The, 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 and being born of the spirit is when, you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, to endow you. So we went to the liquid grave. Now we're being empowered. If you remember, John baptized Jesus, right? And then the heavens opened up and a dove light came and descended on him. God had confirmed him and said, this is my son who I am well pleased. And then he went into the wilderness to be tempted. So he had the water baptism and he had the spiritual baptism and now he was ready. And that is what he's talking about for us to be born again. Uh, Romans 12 and 2 said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And the liquid grave or the water baptism is part of that transformation along with being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And I, I too have learned that the uh, here, who I've heard, you know, I haven't learned, apparently not, <laughs> that the, the baptism is the reference made here. And baptism 
you know, it's a funny thing. We we don't encounter it, or, or at least I didn't. I looked it up. Um, it was just the habit of some people to do the thing. So when he's saying that we are born again of, we must be born of water and of the spirit, it, it, it kind of pushes me a little bit beyond the baptism. I've also heard it taught that um, the water really is a, a representation of the, the the birth of a man, you know, by by the woman because the water breaks and you're born out of that way. So I'm sure I don't know, you know, if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But I, as I was reading and praying on this one, I heard. Um, uh, a scripture, right? So I went to find that scripture and it is in Ephesians. Uh, it's chapter five, verse 26. And the, it is a, a discussion of how a man should love a woman, how a woman should reverence the husband, you know, the husband, the man, and the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. And it, the, the discussion goes on that he might, the husband, he might love and care for her as Christ has the church, that she might be, um, <clears throat> hold on, sanctified and made clean. I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to read it. I don't need to try and GEPC, hold on. Uh, I don't want to butcher it as I am trying to restate it. Oh, hold on. Uh, it's Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to start in verse um, uh, maybe 22. Yes, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ as is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife, wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish." So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And he goes on and finishes that. Now, I don't know why that scripture came to me when I read this this time, except that I am looking for the church. And when Jesus Christ says here that except a man be born of water and of the spirit, right? I immediately realized that as those who believe, we allow the word to wash us like water, right? To cleanse us. And we are, as Pastor also has said, endowed by the Spirit. So we come again, we are transformed, this time not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Because now we are alive to hear, be guided by, and be empowered by the Spirit of the living God. And unless this happens, whether it be by, you know, just the baptism or the washing of the water by the word, as it is written here in this scripture, that um, unless we have this intact, we cannot enter the kingdom of God, as Jesus Christ here is saying. He goes on another Thing that I uh, I paid a little bit of attention to is he says, uh, marvel not that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell from whence it comes. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, all of you, I am so sure, and do do write your 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 con, you know, your comments. If you have something to say about this, I really want to hear it because I am searching. I want you to know that I too am searching, and the Lord is, I believe, taking me into the um, words that I have accepted over the years. And those words, 
sustain us. They hold us up. Uh, they keep us, right? But then there comes a moment when there's an unveiling even of what has sustained you if you've not completely submerged yourself into it, right? And uh, not knowing, I mean, you know, but you're not going around not trying to uh, understand the fullness of God's word, but sometimes we just don't because God is not ready to let you hear or see the whole thing. You're not, re- you're not ready. God is always ready, I do believe. But some, we just, I don't know, you, there's a, there's still the flesh of man that wants to interpret a thing the way he wants to interpret it or whatever it is. I don't really know. But I just know that as I am going through the Gospel of John, I'm hearing what I never heard before. and Or I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it in a different way, all righty? And that's what I'm hearing here, that as we are born of the Spirit, we are like the wind, but definitely Jesus Christ is like the wind. The Spirit is as the wind. It is boundless. It is limitless. It is not contained in the flesh of man it is a it is beyond the flesh it is outside of the realm of the natural and we are in the empowerment by the spirit of man through the uh, rebirth in by the water and by the spirit we become like Christ in that we are not bound to the natural that we know just the physical realm in which we live. And in so being, many people, excuse me, will not understand from, you know, where you're coming from. They won't understand the transition that has taken place. They will not realize the conversion, which I think the water to the, and the spirit rebirth also speaks of a passage, a conversion from into, right? from the flesh into the spirit, folks won't get it because many are not born again. You will only be discerned and you will only understand when you are in the company of others who are also converted, born of the water and the spirit, right? And so this to me, at this time, I'm, I'm really quite astounded. And because I'm looking for the church, I believe that that washing of the water by the word goes from baptism into the very church because the reference is made that in the relationship, and I, I got this a long time ago, but it's becoming even more profound for me now. In the relationship of a marriage, God is demonstrating a spiritual life. He is actually showing us the relationship he has to his own church, his body, and how much he loves and cares for it. And how we in turn, as not men and women, but as members of that body, as members of that church, are to submit ourselves to it as He gives us this picture. It's a picture. We look into the picture, both male and female, and we see ourselves in relationship as the body of Christ. Now I'm going to stop and I'm going to allow a pastor to make a comment if he would, if he wants to. What say ye, Pastor Thomas? Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, you said, yeah, you said a lot of good things. Uh, I, I, I just struggle with people having that Nicodemus spirit, the church, because the church is so separated. The church has become so denominational and not Jesus. You know, the, you know, when you talk about being born, uh, baptized in water, we go through the symbolic part, but do we understand the spiritual purpose of all of this? When when we talk about being born again, uh, people struggle with letting go of the old man or the old woman. And, and this is what causes the division in the church. This is what caused the lack of relationship with God because he said, 
be not conformed, but be transformed. And we did it symbolically. We went through the motions. But how about in our heart? Or, or, or do we want right over wrong? Do we want good over bad? Or are we still trapped in our perception of what's good and not sizing good up with God? You see? And, and what happens, too, I'm finding out, is that the, the church is still stagnated because they have not yet walked in that relationship with God. They're still doing their thing. And a true believer or a person who has a true uh, 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 relationship with God, you'll see the transformation. You know, when Jesus was talking to the disciples about the false prophets, he said, they asked, how will we know them? Because they look like us, they talk like us, they dress like us. How would you know them? He said, you'll know them by their fruits. So when you look at the average person in church, what's in their basket? And that's not a judgment call, that's an observational call. You know, because the Bible said that the righteous is the only ones who are going to judge. So don't let nobody put that on you, but you got to. Because he said every spirit, he said, my spirit will not always dwell with us. And every spirit is not of God. So you have to try the spirit by the spirit. So and when you look at the church at large, when you look at the believers at large, do you feel we got this? Or, or, are we are we walking? You remember Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall establish my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Are we following Christ like that? Or are we implementing our own traditions and philosophies in church? You know, you ask yourself, why are there so many different denominations? Christ ain't advocate that. So are we walking in man's stuff or are we walking in the spirit of God? Just wanted to throw that out. Okay, excellent. And it just plays into this quest and why I believe these words are so important to actually delve into and to really, really analyze and really pray and let the Lord hear you. Because Jesus Christ is saying something that is not of a familiar to Nicodemus. Hence, it's not familiar to us either. He is not speaking on the natural uh, plane. And he goes on to say to Nicodemus, are you a master and you don't know these things? You're a master of Israel, but you don't know this. Now, he is talking uh, to a man who is a master in a, in a nation established by God and over whom God gave, right, the rain. In other words, they were his people. He spoke with them. He appointed those who would give the rule over them, even when Israel asked for a king. So Nicodemus knows all this. He has grown up a Jewish person and all Jews were taught this. So they are not ignorant of what they should not be ignorant of what Jesus Christ is saying. And he goes on now. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you don't believe them, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? See, no man is ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. So you came and you said, you know, I'm from God because I am doing all these miracles, you see. So you recognize that part, but you don't see me as the son of God yet. So he says, but he that came down from heaven, that's who knows, right? Even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That used to really say, now a serpent, why was a serpent written up? But you know what? It, I got it today. God's judgment was upon that pole 
upon which they put the serpent, because fiery serpents had been loosed amongst the people in the desert. They were in such sin. They had talked against Moses. They had talked against God and the way they were just in rebellion. And the Lord loosed these serpents, these fiery serpents, and many of them died. But they cried out and they prayed, repentance, you all, and asked Moses to pray for them. See, the priest, now Moses was not necessary. We don't call him a priest, but he was the appointed man of God. And Moses prayed on their behalf. He entered into the holy place, right, as the priest had done. And the Lord said, put the serpent on the pole. Let them look at that judgment. Let them see what I am all about. See, judgment is what God is all about. Sin is what we're all about, but God judges sin. Jesus Christ is he that came down from heaven, the only begotten son of God, but he was not a serpent. He was indeed the judgment of God, paying the price for your sins and mine. And the word tells us it pleased the Lord that he should suffer. He was the propitiation. He was that satisfaction that God needed in his holiness for the sins that we have committed. And so, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Just look upon him. There's a song, look and live. Look and live. It is stated in your word or said in your word or something. Hallelujah. If you only will just look and live. For if you look, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. Now, many of us, you know, we, we use the, um, our understanding of the analysis of language to say that that is not literal, but it's metaphorical or whether simile or whatever it is, right? If I be lifted up. Okay, so now we go around and we lift him up, but we can't lift Jesus up. Not like that. We can praise him. We can exalt his name in our confession of what we know of him in our own relationship. We can do that. But the exaltation that is needed for your uh, sins and mine is not in the word. It is in the deed. And God made it possible that he be the one to pay the price. He prepared this body, put himself in it as the son of man and lifted it up on that cross. And now when we look to the cross, when we hear the story, when we know the meaning, if you have a heart, <laughs> anyone who has a heart, remember I did that. If you have a heart, if you have a mind to hear, if your ears are open at all, you will investigate what you see there. Jesus lifted up so that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And he goes on, emphasis, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that again, he says it again, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory to God. What can we say? This is glorious, right? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. And that's where the, we are off today. Everybody is talking about those crazy Christians. Everybody is talking about the extreme Christian. Why? Because there is heresy in the Christian. In the world now, the representation of Jesus Christ for many who have a uh, a voice to be heard by others are not, they're not speaking really on behalf of Christ. They are using Christ to further their own need for power, prestige, and whatever else they're looking for in the earthly realm, in the physical, in the natural. But looking to the cross, you're not looking anymore at the natural. You're looking at a deed performed by God himself 
to get you past the divide so that you can believe that your sins can be forgiven and have the hope and the assurance of that forgiveness and eternal life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. It's not why he came, to look at all of us and point his finger and say, you're dead wrong, you're a sinner, you will never make it. No, he came to say, I love you so much that I'm going to pay that price and all you have to do is believe. Because belief turns on something in you and in me. Belief turns on acceptance. Belief turns on the faith. Belief turns on trust. Belief causes you to walk into and not away from. I believe when I drive from here to North Carolina or Florida or wherever I'm driving to, I believe that my skill is such that I will get there. But I also believe that the angelic hosts encamp around about them that fear him and I fear him. You see, I believe that when I am sick on my bed, I believe that if I cry out, never mind how I do it. Glory to God. I believe if I ask my father, to relieve me, he will do it because he is a healer and I believe it. See, so I do pray, right? He says that the world through him, the son who came down, might be saved. And then he further states that he that believes on him is not condemned. He didn't come to the world to condemn it. If we believe on him, we're not condemned, but if we don't believe, We've already been condemned. It's not God doing it. It is your choice. I refuse to trust what you just said. I don't believe what you said, right? How many times when you try to warn someone of what may come, you say, if you do this, that, or the other, you know, certain things are going to befall you, especially as older folks trying to tell the younger folks, do they believe you? Absolutely, they do not. They will walk straight down that path you just told them to avoid and they will fall in the pit. It happens every time. But if you happen to persuade them, if they actually believe it, then they will begin to adjust and change the direction and they will walk a new path and they will escape the pit. Not that they won't have to pass through a few thorns or couple of thistles and step on some rocks, you know, and jump over some hurdles, but they won't fall into the pit because belief has changed their pathway. By the same token, belief can take you to the pit. Someone comes and convinces you that what I said is not right. You ought to go on down there anyway, because on the other side of what she's talking about, there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of pleasure. You see, belief will take you there too. What you believe matters. But Jesus said he came that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, if you don't believe, you're already condemned. And this, he says, is the condemnation. This is what is condemning. That light came to you. It's in the world. But men love darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. See, and you can cover yourself. If you do, you remember we all used to want to go out on Friday night. You want to go out at night. You never kind of want to go out during the daytime. Why? Because, you know, the um, the music doesn't play. People don't gather. You don't dance. You don't drink. You don't, you know, brawl and have a wonderful time in the daytime. Well, in some places you might, right? But in general, it's a nighttime thing. In the darkness, you can cover, you can go in. The lights are dim, the low. Nobody might recognize you, you know what I mean? You can do what you want to do, kind of, sort of. And of course, I extend the truth. It is not necessarily all the time, but you like darkness. You like to be covered in sin. We like to be covered in our misdeeds. We don't want to be found out, right? So, uh, This is the condemnation that men loved darkness rather than light because the light came to the world. And he says, for everyone that does evil, they hate the light and they don't come to the light unless their deeds 
are reproved. I, I call you out on it, right? But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, they will show, and that they are wrought in God. If you love truth, if you do truth, the light is your friend, because we want the Lord to see us, and we want him to fix us. I love that old spiritual. Fix me, Jesus, fix me. Fix me for my dying day. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me. Fix me for my heavenly crown. Fix me for my long white robe. Fix me for the dinner, the supper with the lamb. Fix me, Lord. Fix me. See me, Lord. Make me aware of every crack and crevice within Fill me, Father, with your word and wash me till I am whiter than snow. Make me clean by renewing my mind by the word. Wash me and bring me into your light. And then the second part here, John the Baptist, of course, goes on to attest to the fact that he is not the Christ, that he has come before. His disciples, John's disciples, come and they say to him, you know, Master, that man that you baptized last week, uh, uh, people are over there, he's bapt- they're baptizing now. And John goes on telling them, you heard me, he said, you witnessed that I told you. I am not the light. I am not the one who was to come. I am not he. I am not the Christ. He is the Christ, and I must decrease so that he can increase. Oh, my goodness. Guys, let me tell you, I could get awfully lost in worship as I read through these words. That a man, John, who was really his cousin, lived, they lived in separate places. And why John didn't know him? Oh, okay, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. He recognized him because God said to him, upon whom the dove rest, you can know him. See? And so John recognized him that way as the Christ, as the one who was to come, as the anointed one of God, as the one who would be the Jews' Messiah. And he was appointed by God to announce that. He had come. And John takes no credit for anything. He says, no, no, go on, be with him. He said, some of of the disciples are going over there, following after him. But that's what should happen. See, I must decrease. And listen, as the sin of man is pride, I'm telling you, look at yourself real close. I mean, get a good whiff of who you really are. Understand when you show up real funky that that thing is an offshoot of the undergirding sin of man, and that is to be recognized. Self-aggrandizement. It is to walk as one who is all that and a piece of chips, but we're not. We really are not. We must decrease, and when you come to Christ, you find yourself decreasing more and more. Why? Because we must. John said, there's one who is preferred before me. He came before me. He was always there. I am just the creature created by his word. You see, may our God be praised. And pastor, I am going to now. Oh, yes. Fresh in Space, it says, worship happens when we see ourselves as lower and decreased, if you will. Amen. Precisely. And yes. And um, a pastor, I want you to speak to anything that I've said um, that you'd like to at this point. Thank you. Um, you would pretty, you know, 
detailed on what you were saying. I mean, I, I don't have nothing to add to that. <laughs> you know, uh, you put it out there and, and that's what it's all about. It's about, about relationship. But I did want to just say one thing. You had said how, uh, I forgot how you put it, how we lift him up. You know, that coincides with us being witnesses. That great cloud of witnesses. Uh, this Bible speaks about we've seen signs and wonders. We've seen what Christ has done. And when we lift him up, when we tell people about him, instead of making ourselves look all that, that's one way of lifting him up. Because people will see him through our experience with him. The new the newcomer. And 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 you know what I love about God is that a lot of times things happen in our lives just for the glory of God. You know, you say, why God let that person be born like that? Why God let that happen? Or why God let this happen? See, because if certain things didn't befall us, because he did said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivers us from them all, is that we know his creation. You know, when they are not walking by faith, they're walking by sight. So this is why in some cases, God will allow people to like the blind man, the, the young girl who died, the Caesarean soldier, the woman with the issue of blood and on and on. The, uh, the guy who sat by the gate uh, that was born blind. I mean, there was another guy who was born blind and the disciples asked who sinned him or his parents. And he said, neither, but for the glory of God. So sometimes God will allow certain things to befall us to get us to move from where we are, to be drawn closer to him, to give us a testimony. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're never sick and you're telling somebody that Jesus is a healer, they're going to like, well, you know he's a healer. And you can always say, well, he healed my mother, he healed my father. But it's much stronger and profound when you said, I remember when I couldn't walk for five years and then Jesus healed me. You see what I'm saying? It has a greater impact. And that's a form of lifting God up that people will start to want to draw closer to him. Amen. I just, that's the only thing I want to expound on because you were pretty thorough with what you were saying. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank Amen. you very much. Amen. Amen. I welcome all of you who have joined us this evening. Thank you, Pastor Thomas, for joining uh, God's Way, Mama G, Teen, uh, Reams, Fresh and Spaces. Um, and I just thank you so much for joining in. You remember I told you that um, I'm never concerned about numbers. Now, Jesus Christ did tell us that greater works that he did would we also do. I don't think he was talking about uh, the number of people who will sit down and, and share or break the word with you because he said there will be many who will not actually find this very narrow way. However, quality of fellowship is what I search for always. And truth in the inward parts is what God is looking for. If we can be those people, we will always have great fellowship. And the reason that I am, oh, I'm blessed above measure, I can tell you, because not only do I attend a church, but if I never did, if I never went to church, I have a church around me. I have believers. I have members of the body of Christ in my life. And I only have to make a phone call. And I don't just meet with one or two. Sometimes I meet with a whole group without number, I mean, 10, 9, whatever. And we talk about Jesus Christ. We share one another's understanding of his word. We also impart to each other faith. Where I am weak, someone else 
has strength. And I thank God for Pastor Thomas. I thank him because he is one of those people in my life. I thank the Lord for my my uh, friends. They are those people in my life. I thank God for my daughter, uh, my uh, older and my son, and even the younger, who is not quite as established as I'd love it to be. But I thank the Lord because with them, I can glorify him all the time, anytime I want to. So when we are surrounded, right, with uh, with the body of believers, we are in fellowship. And I quest for the church to discover, well, I'm questing to discover what Jesus Christ, what God had in mind when he established the church. And I believe reading this uh, book is going to help us to get there. And I believe that uh, we have now stumbled into the answer for who is Christianity is being well established in these first three chapters. We know exactly who is the center. Christ is head of the church. That is who we follow. That is our mentoring spirit. That is the transforming word from him and those dis, uh, disciples who wrote and expounded on what they learned as they were with him. And as I said, I was saying, and I got a little sidetracked there. Um, if I could talk on this every night by myself, you know, I'm too tired to do it every night anymore. But I have no great expectations of great numbers on the podcast. Now, God may deliver them, right? But I have a great expectation in being able to sit here and do it, just to talk about it. And if one person comes, I'm happy. If nobody comes the night I'm doing it, I'm still happy because I'm going to upload what I say to the to the episode list and somebody might hear. The Lord knows to whom I am sent. And they will get it. Of that I am sure. But when you show up, you encourage me greatly. And I certainly do thank God for each of you. Freshen writes, I love that John was a bit clueless and dedicated to his own purpose. May we be content when we are functioning in purpose. Sounds like a Pastor John Thomas word, doesn't it? Be blessed, he says all the time on purpose. And uh, Reams writes, thanks for your faithfulness. God is good. Thank you for your faithfulness. And all of you who are here, please feel free, very free to leave any comment you want, because as I told you, I am listening to you. Whatever you say means a great deal to me, and it helps me to formulate what I believe God is wanting me to formulate. So we learned two things already, who Christianity is and what the requirement is to be a Christian. We're going to continue with what it is, what Christianity is as we look at Christ, walk this world. It's been a good night. I so thank you. Pastor, uh, John, do you want to say any final words? We're getting ready to dance and rejoice because we have eaten tremendously from this great table. Have you any words? No, uh, no, I'm I'm good. Thank you so much, you know, for inviting me. I bless God for everybody on the line. I pray that, well, I pray that you get what you need to get so you can do what you need to do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, Pastor Thomas said something that I want to, each of us to take serious, seriously as well. He says, when we are the witness, right, go ye therefore into all the world, right, and make disciples and be a witness. That is Jesus Christ's command and we shall come to it. But that your witness is important in a world 
that is filled with confusion, okay, and chaos. May God be praised. And let me tell you, thank you so much, every one of you. Thanks for the great show, you know, for the balloons. I saw the hearts that were flying. I love to see them. It's just, I don't know, it gives me a warmth too. And when you come again, we will be graced by uh, Miss Anna Kane, who will bring chapter four for us next week. I think you're going to love it. So uh, do join us, please. Uh, you, 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 she's uh, kind of a, uh, an English scholar. I love to hear her expound. So if you will join us again, um, I will be here, of course. And my co-host will be uh, Fresh in Spaces on the line. And eventually you will hear from a number of people other than myself uh, because we all need help, right? I surely do. And everyone has a good word uh, to share when the Lord has uh, dropped something into your spirit. We want to know about it. Okie dokie. So with that, guys, you know, we go rejoicing. And I always love to play this music because it is the kind of joy that I sense when I am very uh, filled and happy. So with that, I say to you all, have a very pleasant good night. Mm -hmm. And do come again. God bless you. See you soon.